Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. WHBY Appleton Brilliant Combined Locks. Whether you're in your garden or hiking through the woods, we have you covered. Call now with your outdoor questions. In Appleton, call 281-1150 or outside the valley, 866-887-1150. From the Myron Construction Studios of WHBY, it's Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. Brought to you by Brookdale Appleton Senior Living. Just after 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, it is time to head to the great outdoors. I'm Joey D, back in saddle again with my friend Rob Zimmer on the other side. Hi, Rob. Hi, how are you? I am okay. Trying to get back into the, the groove of things here off last week for my uh, my yes. brother's wedding in Montana. I got a ton I of can't wait to hear about that. Oh, my goodness. It was just gorgeous. Oh, good. It, 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 it rained just slightly one day, but it brought out a really bright rainbow. Really? Uh, the rest oh. of the time, just very, very nice. And the night times in Montana, oh, my gosh. Oh, big sky country. It really, really is gorgeous. Oh, cool. Anyways, more on that uh, maybe later on in the show. We want to hear from you, the callers, 281-1150, anything that you might be seeing outdoors, taking any trips maybe this summer, 866-887-1150. Also, you can get us online a couple different ways. Go to whby.com, click on Contact Us, or head to the On Demand section there. You can listen to past shows. But a big place is your Facebook. That was yes. very busy this week. Yes, Rob Zimmer Outdoors on Facebook. Okay. Check it out. Lots right. of fun stuff. Okay, let's start the show off with a very special guest. We yes. head up to or to the, the Feather Wildlife Rehab Center. and In New London. Okay. Yes. And I'll let you go ahead and... Uh, yeah, we're going to talk to Virginia, I guess, today from the Feather Wildlife, Re- Re- Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. Pat, I know they're, they're, the crew out there is getting busy. They're doing a program today at the Outagamie, Conservation Club, Outagamie County Conservation Club. So she's out getting her birds ready for that. But Virginia, how are you doing? Good morning, Rob. WHBY, I'm doing absolutely great. Awesome. It's a beautiful morning. Yes, it is. So you guys are getting ready for a program, right? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And uh, we've got a couple of them loaded, and we're still working on uh, some of the other ones. Oh, you are. Okay. Is this Pat or is this Virginia? No, this is Virginia. Pat's outloading oh, the rest she's of She's outloading. Getting things ready to go. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. So, and, and what are you doing today? Are you just doing, taking the birds out for an educational program? Yes, it's an educational program at the Outagamie County Conservation Club. I believe it's uh, Women Outdoors. Oh, good. Yeah, awesome. So we'll be taking a uh, um, great horned owl. Oh. We're going to be taking a red-tailed hawk, a American kestrel, and a um, saw-wet owl. Oh, so they are in for a treat to visit to see all those birds today. Yes, I hope they are because we enjoy doing the programs for education because that's uh, the key to everyone's survival, ours included, is education. Exactly. Oh, yes, I know. And I try to do that on my page and on my show every week, too. Now, next week, you guys have a big program coming up, too. You're going to be speaking at the Whooping Crane Festival in Princeton, right? That is correct. The International Crane Foundation um, Whooping Crane Festival in Princeton. Yep, we'll be down there with probably, I'm thinking we'll probably take six birds with us that time. 
Oh, excellent. And that's going to be a free program down in Princeton at the Princeton Public School. I'll be talking about more that more about that in the show. So you guys will do your educational birds there also and let people come in and get to meet them and learn all about the different birds of prey that we have around here. That is correct. That is correct. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, are you guys still in need of things out there at the Feather, like fish? Can people still bring fish out that they're catching for the osprey? Oh, by all means, we're always in need of fish, but we don't, you know, not too big ones, you know, more like the yep. perch and the bluegill size, because that's the size that the, the ospreys like. If it's uh, they're too big, uh, they just kind of look at it and say, well, I don't know, I just can't <laughs> handle that. And they don't like it reason. cut up. <laughs> they don't. They want it whole, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yep. But, so, yep, uh, we're always in need of... Uh, of fish for the osprey. Yep. So anytime anyone's out fishing uh, all year round too, not just now, but all year round, even in the winter, if you're ice fishing, if you catch some smaller fish, you know, six, seven, eight inches long or so, perch, bluegills, whatever, uh, even if you catch koi and goldfish and stuff, bring them over there because I've seen a lot of those around actually. Uh, <laughs> bring them on, bring them on out to the feather. Um, you prefer live, right? Or, or at least whole? At least whole, please. Yeah. Yep. They don't have to absolutely be live because if we have too much, we just kind of freeze them and then bring them out as we need them. Yeah. But, but the need is all year long because they don't stop eating just because winter has arrived. Right. And, and any amount's good enough because the osprey eats one per day. So every fish you can bring is a day of, uh, of new life for that bird. So. Well, sometimes they eat more than one a day depending Do they? on the size. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're getting bigger, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as they get bigger, they eat more. And it's like... You know, you got teenage kids around, you know, they just keep eating and eating and eating. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Anything else you guys looking for out there at the Feather? I know Pat says you're always looking for cleaning supplies and bedding and, and pet food, stuff like that. Anything yes, specific? Yes, any of that kind of stuff that you just mentioned, cleaning supplies, which is always welcome, um, toweling, that kind of stuff, and um, bedding. Um, we use all of that kind of uh, stuff, and, um, yeah, that food and actually rodent uh, food, rodent chow that you know, which is what we feed the live mat rats and mice that we kill down for the. Oh birds. yes, yeah. And yeah. that's always uh, actually that's actually quite expensive. It gets that way, but that's where a lot of the money goes to feed the rodents to feed the birds. Right. So any of that stuff, if you have a, a project, a, a school group or anything like that, you're looking to, to help out an organization locally, bring it on out to the feather. If, if she's not there, drop it off on her front porch. She loves that when she gets surprises out there. <laughs> and you're yeah. located just north of New London, uh, right on, on Beulah Road? Beulah Road, yes. Beulah Road, okay. Yep. I can't right. remember what the um, fire lane number is because I'm here all the time. I never look at it. Yeah, but the information's all on the Facebook page at the that Feather, the the feather, feather Wildlife Rehabilitation and Education Center. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also crane season. You know, talking about cranes in general, the whooping cranes, but also the sandhill cranes are beginning to gather. Um, do you, have you guys had any any sandhills this summer or this fall? That you've, well, I guess it's not fall yet. Have you had any sandhills this summer that you've had to take in and take care of? We've had a couple of them, not too many. Um, we're kind of slowing down just a little bit on the cranes because there's just too much to um, to do on on a crane. Oh, so yeah. we're trying to hold back a little bit on that because there's just a lot of work out here, and, and Pat pretty much does this all by herself. She with does. With exception of, you know, our little volunteers that we do what we can. Yeah. But um, we had a couple of them, and then a couple of them didn't survive either, and that's oh, uh, yeah. part of the rehabilitation process is a lot of it, you know, and I know people don't like to hear this, but a lot yeah. of it is death. Yeah, and that's true. A lot of th- you can't save every 
everything and it's especially frustrating when when it's like a man-made injury or you know lead poisoning or or fishing line things like that or balloons i mean that's that's just frustrating but you know you can only you can only do what you can do out there to save the birds yep and we then like that and i all say you know what you can only do so much but you can only save one at a time right exactly the best we can with what we what we get yeah and we do release of course the ones that can yeah and that is always a great relief when we know one is going to go back out into its own environment and when we say godspeed bird it's like Aww. okay if you make it you make it in your own world if you don't it's your world not mine that they make it in yeah and that sound you know to some people that might sound cruel but that's true that's the way of nature these birds don't want to be in human care they want to be out there in the wild flying free and and the the releases that you talked about those are an amazing experience if, if you're ever able to see one. I, I, I had the fortune of uh, releasing uh, the owl that I had found once that Pat cared for for a few months. And I, I, yes, I was there. You were there. Yep, that, I yes. remember. Yep. And, and just I've been to a lot of the, the, the bald eagle releases and some of the other birds. And it's just amazing when you when you let those go birds back free and they, you know, they recognize their home territory and stuff. It's just amazing. So it is amazing. I've, I Got a little choked up there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, for one, I've got to be honest, you know, is that um, when I first got into helping Pat, which is oh, 20 years ago, um, I held my first American Kestrel, and it was like, oh, oh my God, who gets to be this close to a bird of prey? I know. And when I held that owl, I mean, Max, it, it was a huge barred owl. You think it's going to weigh 20 pounds and, and he's as light as a feather. You know, I mean, it's just because that's what birds are. They're all they're all air. But you think this huge bird's going to be so heavy. And, you know, you could feel the warmth and feel the heartbeat. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this this beautiful bird. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And yeah. If anybody wants to go on to the um, Facebook page, the Feather Wildlife Rehabilitation and Education Center, there's also a place to donate which we're always in need of uh, money also to be able to, you know, buy this, the supplies we do need if we don't get enough donations. Right, right. So there's a place on there, and it's all tax deductible. Good. Yep. So if anyone's looking for a deduction, donate to the Feather Wildlife Rehab. And really, you guys, you really are one of the only locations around the whole northeast Wisconsin area. I mean, there's Bay Beach Wildlife Sanctuary. There's uh, there's Avies, which does some of the smaller birds and smaller, you know, baby yeah. animals. But you guys are it for some of the bigger birds. Yeah, and, for some and, of the bigger birds, yeah. And yeah. sometimes in the spring it just gets overwhelming because right. they just, you know, keep coming in and coming in. Right. And you only have so much resource. Yeah. So if you appreciate what the feather does, appreciate the uh, the saving of the birds that get injured or, or orphaned or um, poisoned, you know, uh, donate to the feather, donate supplies or cash, go onto their website and, and donate there. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you have a great program today, a great program next week. I'll be talking more about the Whooping Crane Festival later. Uh, have you guys ever had to treat a whooping crane there? Ever had to what? Pardon me? <laughs> treat, treat a whooping crane there? No. No. There. And hopefully you Maybe. never will. <laughs> I hope not too. I hope not too. Yeah. But, but thank you very much for having us on and to be able to, you know, say a little bit about the feather and yes. about saving the birds and continue doing what you're doing, Rob. Your Facebook page is amazing. Oh, I love thank watching you. it. Oh, thank you so much for joining. You have a great day and a great weekend. Okay, you guys okay. do the same all right. and all stay yep. safe. Tell okay. Pat we said hi. Okay, yep. I will do. Okay, bye. Great skills, Virginia, the substitute teacher today for Pat. Yeah, so Pat's <laughs> out there busy loading all the birds up. They have a program, I guess, at 11.
at the Outagamie County Conservation Club today with the Women Outdoors Club. So that should be fun. They're, they're going to have a treat. They're going to get to meet all these birds of prey that you usually don't get up close and personal with. So Sounds like a neat place. Yes. The Feather Wildlife Rehab Center. Yep, and it's located just north of New London on Bulow Road, and the address, the specific address is on their Facebook page. All right, we continue on Outdoors with Rob Zimmer. we got to take our first break here. When we come back, lots more. We want to hear from you. Give us a call, 281-1150, 866-887-1150, or get us online any way that you can, either whby.com or Facebook. We'll check those postings in the emails and take your calls next, HBY. Badger Football Kicks, today at 2.30 on WHBY. It does. What did I win? I might be moving to Montana. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering just what that raise me up. Got to play a few Montana songs this morning. Oh, good. Because you were just in Montana. Oh my goodness. See any cool animals? Have you ever been there? No. To Montana? No. Oh my. I, I, Yes, <laughs> there, there's I, animals did. galore, and oh, my really? my brother's ranch out there. He took us out in his jeep, and oh. and uh, I mean, as far as you could see, hundreds of deer. Really? Oh yeah. Actual deer? Yeah. Or oh do yeah. You mean like the the pronghorn? Well, I I don't I can't tell the difference, but there's oh. <laughs> just oh, yeah. a deer oh, everywhere cool. out there. And there are probably mule deer out there. Yep. Too. Oh yeah. There's oh, there's a good mixture. I, I remember that word mule deer. Mule deer. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you gotta kind of watch, watch it when you're going into the hills. Other than that, on the flatlands, yeah. you can, uh, let's just say that Safer. the speed limit is 80, and uh, oh. I was doing well over that and getting passed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my <laughs> it's gosh. It's just a long, nothing for a long time. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, it must be so beautiful. But, oh, my, especially the nights. Like I said yeah. earlier, oh. nighttime sky in Montana. It, even I in the small no little town, you no. could still just look up and... We were hoping to see the, the Northern Lights for last yes, weekend. Yes. But uh, we never did, we we didn't see those. But we saw oh. a ton of stars. You get just outside this little town, yeah. And I saw tons of shooting stars just straight oh. across the sky. I mean, I, I probably saw a billion stars. I, it, that's it was no joke. You just I lay there it. and you just watch the stars. Even out like in western <sighs> Wisconsin, like when I'm at Nasita with my friend Cindy, and we're out there at night. I mean, the you can see the whole Milky Way going yes. across the sky. I thought I saw two stars. or three Milky Ways. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. what it looks <laughs> like. It really it does. does. Yep. It, oh, and it cool. just makes you think about life. And it's like, was man. there any snow out there? Uh, well, I always ask if there any snow in the, Montana. The, the, the snow-capped mountains, as we were flying in, we saw some that were, were snow-capped yeah. um, coming in yeah. because we went to Denver first and then from Denver up to Great Falls. Oh, yeah. Um, so a little bit of snow on, on some of the mountains. Flew over also. Um, uh, I saw a wildfire. Really? So, oh. Yep. I, I don't know what state. I don't know if it was in Wyoming or what state we were over, but oh, uh, it was about halfway between Denver and Great Falls, and see just a bunch of smoke coming really? up out out of the uh, out of the forest oh. there. So, any grizzly bears? I did not see any grizzly bears. No. Yeah, you would think no. that I would. But any Montana, Sasquatch? Mm, probably three or four of those out there. Did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. But anyways, awesome. that, that's my little old sum- summary oh, of I love it. a trip to Montana to and see my little brother pictures, get married. Yeah. Oh, was, that's cool. Yeah, saw a lot of family and friends. It was it was really, really nice. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of family, yeah, it so is Grandparents' Day tomorrow. So what I want you guys to do, if you're listening, call us and honor your grandparents, honor your grandma or your grandfather uh, in some way, you know, related to the outdoors. And you know, we had some yesterday that I read off of Facebook. Like I'm going to read more today. 
Uh, a lot of it was gardening. You know, they learned gardening from their grandparents, or they learned how to identify mushrooms, or went rock hunting with their grandparents. If you have a story that you want to share about your grandma or grandpa, or even your kids' grandparents, like Haley did yesterday, give us a call, and I want to hear from you. Otherwise, or I'm if you're a grandparent yourself, what you've been doing, or yes, yeah. or yourself, yeah. If you're a grandparent, how are you going to honor yourself tomorrow? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, and just tell us about you know, especially related to the outdoors and nature. And I have tons that I can read here. Uh, that I'll talk about too. But I want to talk about a couple of other things first. Uh, we were just talking to Virginia at the Feather Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. Um, they're doing a program today, but they're also going to be featured speakers next week at the Whooping Crane Festival. I was a featured speaker there last year, if you remember. It's just an awesome time over there in Princeton. Uh, it, I think it's really amazing that right here in Wisconsin, in northeast Wisconsin, we have this huge Whooping Crane Festival dedicated to these birds that are, you know, used to be extirpated from the state and now they're back. So every year in Princeton they do a celebration and that's going to be next Saturday uh, from 8 to 3. You know, I heard, heard you talking yeah. to her there and, and just came up with a quick question. Mm-hmm. Maybe a silly question, but I'm going to ask you. No did, such did, thing. You mentioned whooping and you mentioned Sand Hill. What's, yep. what's the difference? How can you tell? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I was going to do that later in my wildlife of the week, uh-huh. but I can do it now. Oh, okay. Yep. Whooping cranes are a lot bigger. Whooping cranes, if you've ever seen a whooping crane in the wild or uh, standing next to a sandhill crane, they're about a foot and a half, almost two feet taller. So hmm. a sandhill crane stands about four feet tall, and they're kind of grayish brown with a, a kind of a red um, patch on the top of their head. Whereas sandhill cranes, or sorry, whooping cranes are five and a half Don't feet confuse tall. Me here. <laughs> five and a half feet tall. So they're as tall as you probably. Um, and they're pure white when they're adults with black wingtips, so kind of like a pelican, but pure white with black wingtips, and they have a red and black um, pattern on their head. But they're a lot bigger. Their voices are different. The sandhill cranes have that familiar kind of rattling call, a really loud rattle. We can play it. We can actually play the difference, the whooping crane and the sandhill crane, whereas a whooping crane is more of a, a trumpet whereas a sandhill crane is kind of like a rattling song. Um, and whooping cranes are a lot less common. I mean, sandhill cranes you can see just about everywhere. Yeah, what kind would we have seen? We went on a little a boat trip uh, up and down oh. the Fox River over here about oh, yeah. two weeks ago, and oh, cool. I, th- I think it was a sandhill, but just kind of walking around out there in, yep. in the water. Yep, probably. Okay. Yep, cool. Whooping cranes, you know, ag- again, when they're adults, they're pure white, so you can't really mistake them with anything else um, other than maybe a pelican. Uh, maybe an egret, but once they start flying, you see those distinct black wingtips. But um, learn all about it next weekend at the Whooping Crane Festival in Princeton at the Princeton Public School, which is right on the main drag there coming into Princeton. I think it's 23. Um, is it 23? It must be. That sounds right. Yeah. So you go in, and the, the, the school is right there on the corner, and they're going to have all sorts of exhibits and displays and a huge room of silent auction things and vendors selling whooping crane and, and nature art and crafts and everything. So uh, check it out. Seminars all day long. Uh, the International Crane Foundation will be there doing a seminar. Uh, the director of the Marsh Haven Nature Center at Horicom will be there doing a, a program. David Stokes is going to be there with kids' wildlife programs. P- Pat Fisher is going to be there from the Feather with her birds, like like Jenny was saying. The Kestrel Group will be there. So all sorts of fun stuff all day long. Uh, and it's free. That's the nice thing about the Whooping Crane Festival. It's free, put on by the International Crane Foundation and some other organizations. But uh, it's just amazing that we have this cool... Um, wildlife Festival right here in, in Princeton. Uh, so check it out next weekend. Uh, some other information on whooping cranes. Uh, now that you ask, I'll read some of the facts. <laughs> whooping cranes are one of the two native crane species in North America. There is the sandhill crane and there is the, the whooping crane. They were completely extirpated from the Midwest. So, you know, up until about 20, not even 20, there were no whooping cranes in the Midwest. So what happened is the Fish and Wildlife Service, the Wisconsin DNR, 
and other organizations, they wanted to establish a secondary flock because right now the only wild flock other than this one in Wisconsin is the one that nests up in Canada and winters down in Texas, and they don't want all their um, eggs in one basket, so to speak. So they, <laughs> they decided to make a secondary flock that migrates from Wisconsin down to Florida because, um, you know, if you have too many cranes concentrated at one wintering area in Texas and one wintering uh, springing area in, in Canada, you know, there's a lot of danger there that there could be some uh, some mass uh, casualties if something broke out, like a, a hurricane coming into Texas like happened last year or uh, some kind of virus or uh, something. So they established this flock in Wisconsin, which now numbers over 100 birds, which is just amazing. So the reintroduction into Wisconsin began in 2001, uh, and how they did it at first was the Operation Migration Story, which is when they took the ultralight up, like you see in the some of the old movies, which really aren't that old, and they actually led the, sand, the whooping cranes down to Florida um, on their first migratory route in an ultralight plane, which is pretty amazing. So they followed the plane down there, and they've been coming back and forth ever since. So um, the other wild population migrates, like I said, between Texas and northern Canada. That's the whooping crane. Yeah. Yep. So you don't really hear a rattle. It's more like a trumpet, like a, a honk almost. Yeah, this is a single-note bugle call. Yeah, bugle. Yeah. Lasting less than one second. It says while feeding, they give a frequent low purr oh, to yes, keep in they contact do. with each other. Yeah, yeah. And you can see whooping cranes in the wild at several places. You can see them at Encita, which uh, Cindy and I are going there Monday. And you can see them at Horicon. I, I've seen them at Navarino once in a while. Um, you see a lot. Uh, obviously, you can go to the International Crane Foundation in Baraboo, which is uh, the only place in the world actually. So we have a lot of cool places here in Wisconsin. The only place in the world that you can see all of the crane species in the world in one spot. So cool. including whooping cranes. So yeah, lots of fun stuff about whooping cranes. Uh, in 1941, there were only 21 whooping cranes existing in the wild. So now they're about, about up to about 600. Uh, and the whooping crane is still federally endangered in North America. There so. you go. Our wildlife of the week. Yes. The whooping crane. Yes. If you want to play this. Yeah. So the whooping crane has that kind of clear bugling or trumpeting note, whereas the sandal has more of a, a like a rattling song almost. Hmm. So more of a, a slightly, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's more of a rattle. It's, it's got more v- vibrato or whatever you call it. Vibrato, is that a word? Quick and see if I can find it before the break here. Let's oh, okay. Here yep. Other it. things I can t- There it is. There. See how it's got that kind of Aha. vibrating quality to it? Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a sandhill that we saw then on that yeah. little trip down the, down yeah. the river. And it, it's amazing the noise sandhill cranes can make. When, that's just one bird. Imagine having 7,000 of those flying <laughs> over you. you. You literally can't hear. Um, and I'm going to talk about that this, more. They can be heard up to 2.5 miles yeah, away? Yeah, really? that, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now as the sandhill cranes are starting to gather, I'm going to talk about that coming up uh, in my September nature segment, which okay. I'm going to talk about all about September nature. The sandhill cranes are gathering. All right, so let's take our bottom of the hour break here. We want to hear from you. A lot more to get to until the top of the hour, 281-1150. It is Outdoors with Rob Zimmer, HBY. Oh, yeah. Katrina. And it is sunny right now. Yeah. <laughs> Ow! Yeah, one of the theme songs of the show we like to play often. Yes. I'm still waiting for her to come in. I don't want to be sitting next to me one of these days. She <laughs> could sing it live. I'll work on that stuff. Acapella version. Yeah, that would be awesome. It would. Back here, that's uh, Rob Zimmer. I'm Joey D. This is Outdoors. We do it every 
Friday afternoon between 4 and 5, and Saturday mornings between 10 and 11. Whenever we don't have a Badger game, we'll have a couple of weeks uh, in the upcoming weeks where we will not have a show. Just a little programming note there for you. But uh, What? <laughs> we'll get the old Badger bump is what it's called. It's that time of year, isn't it? Yep. Uh, we want to hear from you. 281-1150-866-887-1150. Or log on to whby.com or facebook.com slash Rob Zimmer Outdoors. Yes. Quickly, let's head to the Settlers Bank phone line and talk with Blaine in Manasha. Hi, Blaine. Hi. Hey, Blaine. Hey, I've got a grandparent memory. Oh, thank you. Good. Actually, it was uh, when I was a kid way back in the uh, mid-60s, my grandfather, who was an immigrant from Germany, would take us out, and he would uh, we'd go down by the lake, and he would grab one of the bulrushes or the tall reeds, Yeah. and he would weave a little boat for us. Oh. And I always thought that was pretty cool. I wish I knew how to do that. And also, he would take a, uh, a willow stick about maybe three inches long, half-inch diameter, and he would twist the bark so that it was loose, and then he would make little notches and make a whistle out of it. Oh, my God. See, I thought you were going to say whistle when you said the the reeds, because I used to whistle with grasses and reeds and stuff. Ah, yeah, so, no, he'd, oh, make a, he'd weave a, a little, little boat. boat. And it would float and stay upright. It was oh, pretty fast. Oh, wow. Huh. So that's the little boat made of reeds, and the whistle was... Uh, Pretty cool stuff, and I wish I knew how to do it. <laughs> oh, yes. Maybe you have to take a class. I know at Mosquito Hill they do weaving classes a lot. So uh-huh. <laughs> check, and they use natural materials. So oh, okay. uh, check out the Mosquito Hill um, Facebook page for their calendar. That would be that would be fun to do. It was so, it was so fascinating. You would do it right in front of us. And yeah. The little boat. So that was cool. And they would float. Yep. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, I, I, that's it. Now I have this image in my head. I remember someone... I don't know where I saw it. It was in a movie or something where someone wove a little cradle out of, of cattails and rushes and put a baby in it and sent it down the river. Uh, I'm, now I'm, it's going to draw a blank. If anyone remembers what movie <laughs> I'm thinking of, that <laughs> let me know. The, uh, that's the Ten Commandments. It, is it? I, I was going to yeah. say, is it something from the Bible? Is it like, yeah, it's the Ten Commandments, uh, the uh, movie Ten Commandments. Yes, I must. Oh, the movie. Yes. Yeah. <gasps> I bet you're right. Yep. You are. Yep. Okay. Thank you. I would. It would have driven me crazy all day. <laughs> That's a beautiful memory, though. Thank you so much for sharing. You're Thanks, welcome. Blaine. That's okay. all we're looking for, 281-1150 or 866-887-1150. Also log on, whby.com. Quick, uh, quick message here. Someone knows someone who is in Operation Migration. Oh, I love it. Says she wore a white costume and pretended yes. she was an adult crane to feed the little ones. Yep, and they have to do that. When they're raising them, they're, um, the, the crane... Um, tenders are the people who feed the birds they are not allowed to to use their human form because they don't want the cranes to imprint on them or, or see that they're people and become attached to them huh. so they dress up as cranes as whooping cranes in their full costume and you can see those costumes at the whooping crane festival they will be there um, and they dress up as whooping cranes with the full beak and everything white and black and that's how they approach those young cranes uh, their first year as they're feeding them so they think that they're cranes because hmm. if they see a human they will imprint on that human and they'll never leave them, you know, so. So they'll be at this festival next uh, week? I don't believe Operation Migration. They may be. Um, they, they were one of the founding um, um, organizations of this process. They're the ones who led the migrations. Um, but 
Um, in recent years, though, I, they, the government has actually defunded that project, which mm. makes a lot of people very angry, including me, because <laughs> they should still be involved. But yeah, that's amazing. My friend was actually one of the pilots. She would actually go from from Wisconsin, and she would actually have her radar, the radar truck, you know, with the um, the radar tracking. Yeah, yeah. She would follow the flock all the way down there, so she knew exactly where every single bird was at all times. Huh. Uh, Heather, if you're listening, hi. Yeah. Yeah, so well, that's amazing. Well, yeah. thanks to Sherry for the note there. Thank and, you. Uh, yep. Yeah, their name was Megan. That's who it was. Megan, she okay. Somebody named yep. Megan. That, awesome. That was on it. So, yeah, thanks for all the work there for Operation Migration. Yes. And we mentioned the uh, the festival is going to be next week. You have some more events that you want to get to? Yes, here I do quick? have some more events to get to. And then we'll get to one more break and then come back and do a top 10 and wrap it up. Yes, there's lots of events happening this weekend and next weekend. Uh, we talked about the Whooping Crane Festival next weekend. Tomorrow, or actually today, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. or 7 to 8 p.m. If you're going to be over in the Sheboygan area, Kohler Andre State Park is doing a really cool program on the Ice Age Trail. So the Ice Age Trail goes through that area and then kind of switch, uh, turns south, goes through the Catamaran and everything. So travel the Ice Age Trail, a program on the history of the Ice Age Trail and Lakeshore at Kohler Andre. Tomorrow is Grandparents' Day, like we've been talking about. Tomorrow, the Green Bay Botanical Garden is having free day for all grandparents, so check it out. Um, on today and tomorrow, actually, this is a huge deal up in Green Bay. If you're in Green Bay, check out the fantastic fall plant sale um, that's going to be held at Larry's Bellevue Gardens, which is just behind Home Depot. Um, what it is, it's the, the groups that are normally at the Green Bay Botanical Gardens Fall Festival there, uh, the Bay Area Daylily Society and the Green and Gold Hosta Society, both of those plant societies, will be selling their plants at Larry's Bellevue Gardens this year, uh, today and tomorrow. Today, 9 to 4, tomorrow, 11 to 3. So if you're looking for u- really unique, unusual hostas and daylilies, uh, that's the place to be. They're going to have tons of unique ones for sale. Again, the Green and Gold Hosta Society, the Bay Area Daylily Society are going to be there at the fantastic fall plant sale in Green Bay at Larry's Bellevue Gardens. Um, tomorrow or next week again, uh, more stuff happening next week, and there's so much going on. Woodland Dunes Nature Center in Two Rivers. I was there this week. Uh, they're doing their fall star party next week, um, the 14th. Uh, it is full moon night, too. It's going to be the full harvest moon, so you'll be able to see that through a telescope and so many other cool things, stars, constellations, everything else. Also coming up next Saturday at Heckrod Wetland Reserve in Menasha. You're right next to your house there. Yeah. Monarch Madness. So uh-huh. they're going to be doing monarch tagging, monarch catching, um, all sorts of information on monarch butterflies. And you'll get to see all of that take place and um, learn all about monarchs themselves too. But they're also going to tag them and, and release them. So they'll be on their way. Right now is peak monarch migration season. If you haven't been following my page, you probably uh, know that. What day and time is that? That's going to be next um, Saturday. Okay. So the 14th, I believe it's from noon to 3. I don't have the time on that. But check the Heckrod website or their Facebook page. But it is next week, Saturday. Cool. So maybe, I may be seeing from my house a bunch of butterflies. You should. Flying. You could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be catching and releasing them there. Also coming up next weekend, and it's a big weekend for outdoors. Uh, next weekend at Mosquito Hill on Sunday, it's their annual Honey Sunday. So a celebration of the honeybee next Sunday, the 15th, at Mosquito Hill from 12 to 3. Uh, celebrate the honeybee and the art of beekeeping. That's sponsored by the Wapaka County Beekeepers Association. They'll have lots of, of honeybee programs all day long or all afternoon long and lots of treats. They're going to have honey sundaes and all sorts of fun stuff. So that's also coming up. And we talked about this a couple weeks a couple weeks in a row on the show. Um, also coming up on the 18th, Wednesday the 18th from 1 to 5 p.m., 
It's the Seed Saving Field Day at Gibbons Farm. That's sponsored by the Appleton Seed Library, which is located right in the Appleton Public Library. They have a seed library up there where you can uh, check out or, or borrow, I suggest, borrow seeds to grow heirloom vegetables and things in your garden. And, of course, one of the um, stipulations is that you bring some back. So you save some of the seeds from your plants and bring them back for other people to enjoy. And you can learn all how to do that, all about saving and processing seeds from tomatoes and peppers and wildflowers and all sorts of stuff at the Seed Saving Field Day next week, uh, actually the week after, Wednesday the 18th from 1 to 5. Uh, There is a registration fee for that. You do have to go to givensfarm.com to sign up. If if you've ever been interested in learning how to process and save seeds, uh, that's your ticket right there. Okay. We'll take our uh, last time out here. We will come back. Got a, a quick top ten to get to. Yes. And, um, then I'm going to read some grandparent yes. stories. and that's how we'll wrap up the show. All right. That is coming up next here, HBY. Bring it back. Joey D alongside Rob Zimmer. One final segment here of Outdoors with yeah, Rob Zimmer. Fast. A lot to get to. Yeah, we got to fly gonna away here real soon. <laughs> Before we do, uh, how was your week? We didn't get to that. My week was awesome. Yes, thank you for asking. I um, Yeah, I did a lot last week. I, I started out the week with a, a ride-along with a bunch of ladies uh, and gentlemen, uh, which is a Rob's ride-along is where you get to spend a day with me on the road, and we go looking for nature stuff. And you can sign up by calling Cedar Ridge Crafts and Nina. Uh, ask for Barbara, and you can set up a day or half day with me on the road. So if you ever want to do what I do and see what I see, uh, do it. Plus, a whole shipment of my books came in, too, and they're all signed. So stop in at Cedar Ridge and pick up a book uh, today. Um, but I took a ride along with some ladies uh, and some gentlemen. We went. Uh, we did a lighthouse tour, which was cool. They wanted to see some, oh, nice. see some of the different lighthouses. So we went to Manitowoc and Point Beach and uh, Kiwani and things like that. And then we also uh, went... Had ice cream, of course. I insist that yeah, we have ice cream wherever we go. We went to see some waterfalls, and we went to some gardens over there in Manitowoc. It was just a great time, and uh, so that was fun. Also went to Point Beach several times, went down to the Cattle Moraine, spent a full day down there hiking around and looking for different things, seeing lots of mushrooms and birds and all sorts of fun stuff. So it's been a, a good week uh, as far as that. It's an awesome week. Lots of signs of fall. There's lots of fall color out there, lots of mushrooms peaking. If you've been on my Facebook page, seeing that. Monarch migration heating up like crazy. I saw hundreds of monarchs this past week. And I just posted on my Facebook page today with the sunshine and warmer weather. It's going to be a great day for monarch migration. So head on over to the lake shore where you can see probably hundreds of them today. Uh, my top 10 list I'm going to do really quick. Let's this is kind of it. in honor of yesterday's show. We had a caller, uh, um, Lori, who wanted to know what those big fluffy pink flowers were that she's seen everywhere that look like ice cream cones. And I told her those are hydrangeas. So I'm going to do my top 10 panicle hydrangeas. The panicle hydrangeas are the ones that do look like an ice cream cone. They're cone-shaped. They're not the big mop heads. So top 10 panicle hydrangeas are coming up. Here we go. Purchase them all. Number right. 10. Number 10. Is called Unique. It's a very unique kind of light pink color. It's very different. It has very almost like lacy blooms rather than the full, full, dense um, uh, candy cone or ice cream cone ones. But it's a very unique, unique panicle hydrangea. Number nine. Number nine is a fairly new one, so I put it lower on the list just to see how it goes for a couple of years. But it's called Firelight. Um, Firelight is kind of named for the two different colors, the red and the, the white. So the white and the fire. So that's going to be a very nice one, they're saying. It's got a lot of good preview um, reviews coming out. Number eight. Number eight, Zinfandel, another nice uh, new panicle hydrangea. It's kind of a lighter pink in color, kind of a blush pink. 
Number seven. Number seven is Limelight, the old-fashioned lime green giant panicle hydrangea. Number six. Number six, I just like the name. It's Pinky Winky. (laughs) (laughs) That should have been number one. That should have been number one. (laughs) Uh, We're halfway through. Number five. Number five is a miniature panicle hydrangea that is just perfect, and it's called Bobo, and it's a beautiful white panicle hydrangea. Number four. Number four is my uh, really awesome red one. As the year goes on, it turns darker and darker red. It's called Diamond Rouge. Number three. Number three is the old-fashioned quick fire, the biggest, colorfulest, colorfulest, most colorful. <laughs> uh, that's the one that's getting the really deep red and, and um, white right now. And it's called quick fire. Two. Number two is Great Star, which is a completely different looking panicle hydrangea. It has like these huge two or three inch star shaped blooms instead of the big, tight, uh, dense clusters. Here we go. Top 10 panicle <laughs> hydrangeas. For some reason, it's not Pinky Winky. Number one. <laughs> it's not Pinky Winky. It's vanilla strawberry. Oh, okay. Anyone who's ever seen vanilla strawberry, it is just the it's the one that a lot of people see right now. The really dense, bright white and strawberry pink flowers. And it's just huge. It can be seven feet tall, seven feet wide. It's just gorgeous. So that's my favorite. All right. Top 10 uh, pinnacle yes. hydrangeas. All right. We have exactly, we're at the two minute Two warning. minutes. So you I'm going to read some, I'm going to read some, yeah, yeah I want to read some grandma, grandparent day stories because I have so many that you guys were so sweet to post on Facebook. So I'm going to read as many as I can in the next two minutes before I hear music. Uh, <laughs> Kim, Kim Delai. My grandparents, my great grandparents lived in Lakewood. I remember catching and releasing butterflies, snapping turtles, and the comfort of the sound of rain falling on the tin roof while snuggling with Grandma G. Oh, that's beautiful. Joanne, Joanne Schwul, but bleeding hearts at my grandma's apartment. I have mine in memory of her. Beautiful. She planted the garden at the farm every Memorial Day weekend and rarely was there a visit that she didn't pull, pull weeds on her way to the house. Love that girl. Uh, Melissa, our friend Melissa from Aurora's Apothecary. She uh, posted, my maternal grandfather used to take me for walks in the woods and teach me what everything was. So she learned her skills on, on making plant um tinctures and, and healing and, and salves and stuff like that from her grandfather. My paternal grandmother taught me gardening. I love to see all of the production in her garden. CJ Kotke, my maternal grandmother, granddad, let my grandma plant pumpkins one year, figuring they wouldn't amount to much. He ate his words that fall when he had to use the loader tractor to haul them off, <laughs> haul them out. Probably why I love pumpkins. My maternal grandmother had an old-fashioned flower garden. There were no rows, and the flowers grew wherever they wanted. I still have the buttercups, buttercups and columbines that she gave me. I think of her every spring when they bloom. Beautiful, CJ. Thank you so much. Um, Jean, Jean McKeever, my grandma and grandpa had the most beautiful peonies. So peonies are another a traditional grandparent flower. After they passed, there was no more gardens. I went and searched them out. I dug them up, and now I have them in my old garden, my own garden now. Beautiful. And I have so many of these. You can read these on my Facebook page at Rob Zimmer Outdoors. Uh, so many cool ones. Uh, and thank you so much for sharing. All right. You know what we just had, right? We had a great show. We had a great show. Great let's show. do it again next week. Yes, let's. All right. Happy Grandparents Weekend, everybody. Yes. Have a great rest of your weekend. And we'll be back here next Saturday here. Outdoors, Rob Zimmer, HPY.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 